how will the Big Ten work once we add a UCLA and a USC? The divisions could be gone. We're talking pods. We're talking 366. What is the perfect mixture? We're talking about it today at Locked On Golden Gophers. You are no Locked happens, On Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. it turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Now we're covering every day of the week and the weekend through the end of February. Make sure you got all that Gophers goodness. And so let's let's make it happen. Be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube so you don't miss any of the latest episodes. Tell a friend about the show. Let me know what you're thinking in the comments. Let me know the topics you want to hear, and we'll make sure that that is covered here at Locked On Golden Gophers. Now, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, like I said, we're talking about how is the scheduling going to work, especially in football, when it comes to adding UCLA and USC to join the Big Ten Conference. Most likely, it means getting rid of the divisions. But if you want to keep it that way, you have the options of the divisions, you have the option of pods, you have the option of 366 scheduling, which people probably don't know about, but we're going to talk about that in depth today. Now, what are things to keep in mind? Well, through all of these, you want to keep in mind location, you want to keep in mind scheduling, you want to keep in mind rivalries, and I don't think any of those can go overstated. So when it comes to location, you're looking at things like intrastate battles. You're looking at things like geographically, where are the schools at? What regions are the schools in? Are they coming from the East Coast to the West Coast? You wouldn't put a Penn State and a USC together when they're traveling the furthest of the teams, would you? Things like that. Airports, major airports and ease of travel. It's probably a lot easier to travel from Chicago to LA with major hubs in major airports than it is to travel from Indiana or from Iowa to an LA because the major airports just aren't the same. Ease of travel, not only for the players, not only for the coaches, but also for the fans to travel to these games. Then you got to look at things like number of miles each season and that not being an advantage or disadvantage for specific schools. You want to have it play out as fair as possible. And then lastly, for location, the implication of non-football sports as well, because yes, football is the big deciding factor in this being as it brings in the most money for a majority, if not all of these academic schools of these sports programs, but it also goes beyond that. The basketball, who is playing more games more frequently and traveling more, volleyball, similar thing. Like There are other sports that you still have to have in consideration if you're going to make it more of a all-round type effort. Now, when it comes to scheduling, which is another factor you have to keep in mind here, scheduling does get, you want to get a player to experience each away venue each 
team in your conference, you want them to be able to go to each stadium and have that experience, have that that full Big Ten resume. So that way, when these players head off to be analysts, when these players head off to be physical therapists, whatever that be, they've been in all these venues. They have the experience. They have the history. They can chat up, talk up, and really show love and shed light on the entire conference as a whole and how great it was across. Because if you haven't noticed by now, a lot of players will play for an alma mater and then might end up coaching at a different alma mater or might end up being a part of this for this different school. But they tend to sometimes stay within their conference. Sometimes they don't. But you want to give them the full experience to experience each and every location and get to have those memories, get to share those thoughts with their th- kids, with their families, etc. So it's important to let those players really experience each campus in their time at least once during their time with the university. On top of that, you have to play each conference opponent. On top of that, you still want to get some non-conference games in there when it comes to football just for the excitement, just for the testing of different conferences and being able to prove that you're a more top dog conference at times and then players from those western states they're still going to want to have home games in their time they want to even if they're not going to uh ucla a usc like to be able to go and play back in california which isn't an opportunity many big 10 players get right now so you now recruit a kid from california you're going to at least get to California in these next two few years during their time, it's along with like a, a Las Vegas. At least their family can travel to something closer, something meaning like something actually attainable like a California as opposed to all the way to Minnesota, all the way to Wisconsin, all the way to Iowa, all the way to Rutgers. You see the thing here. Now, on top of that, you've got times of the games themselves east coast time west coast time how is it playing out those are all factors to consider and then finally the point that might be one of the most important is the rivalries does a do you keep the main rivalries intact i feel like you have to especially the ones with trophies especially the ones with long storied histories minnesota versus wisconsin is one of the longest if not the longest rivalry in college sports you can't break that up because oh, well, geographically, it makes more sense for Minnesota to be here with the furthest west and Wisconsin the next furthest west. No, you got to keep those type of rivalries intact. Ohio State versus Michigan, Michigan versus MSU, IU versus Purdue, which is like one of the only real deep-seated rivalries that Purdue has at that football level for a big-time trophy game. Uh, Iowa versus Nebraska has been growing. Iowa versus Minnesota is big-time. Those are things you have to keep intact. So looking at all of that, considering all those factors, and then looking at pods that try to keep that intact. That, And when I say pods, people might be saying, well, what are you talking about with pods? Well, right now we have two divisions. We have an East division and we have a West division. But when you add two more teams, it doesn't it – doesn't, work out as smoothly to have just two divisions it's an option still you could have divisions of eight but it makes scheduling a little harder it makes it tough to make everything work out smoothly but if you move to a pods format which is groupings of four so four teams in each pod four pods total then you still come into and encounter some issues, but the best pod situation that I have seen so far would be pod one being Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. 
these are but the problem with this you're keeping the rivalries intact you're keeping a lot of key games together but these are also the furthest schools west that would probably be the most close in proximity when it comes to these la schools then you look at pod two usc ucla northwestern illinois it's kind of a cakewalk for the california schools just as currently built but it, the positive of this one is that you have major, major airports in the Chicago airport and the LA airport. So travel itself should be relatively smooth compared to some of the other schools within the Big Ten. Pod number three, we got Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and then Indiana. Now, competition-wise, this is probably by far the hardest one. But on top of that, I feel like you're already breaking up a rivalry interstate with Indiana and Purdue that you don't want to do, but it comes to the point where if if you move any of these other teams, you're going to lose one of those rivalries, and it's not fair to just take one from the other schools. So that's an issue there. And then the last pod, you got Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, and Purdue. Now, again, it splits IU and Purdue, which was on that list we discussed. But again, these are more of the furthest east in the grouping. So overall, each pod kind of has a flaw. They, there are drawbacks that don't make sense. But what also do you do when you have a winner of each pod? So you have four winners of each pod. How do you get to a Big Ten championship? Do you have two put winners play each other and the winners of those winners play in the Big Ten championship? Or how does it work? On top of that, do you only do you play every pod then and you just that's your basically your schedule when it comes to 12 games? Or are you still playing a non-conference in two other pods? What what is going on as far as that? And then the rivalries that aren't in your pod, are you still finding games to work that out? How does it rotate so that way you play an opponent both on the road and at home over a student's time span there? It just gets messy you see the questions there's flaws there's many what ifs there's many questions but overall i think there is a system that is much better much cleaner and it should be the absolute future of the big 10 scheduling and that is the three six six scheduling which is what we're going to talk about coming up next First, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. It is the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's bonus bets that you get if your first bet doesn't win, so you're a winner either way. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. And then you can bet on a money line, point scores, threes drained, you name it. Just pick the line that you think will help you win and go from there. Now, it could be as simple as a total score. It could be as simple as just a straight up money line on teams. But you know I'm always rocking with my Celtics. So that's who I would be looking at to find the numbers that I, I think can be stretched out the most if Jalen Brown isn't back which I believe he's going to be thank goodness but if he wasn't back at this time maybe I would dive into that Derek White numbers because he had absolutely been going crazy in his wake 
It's simple and it's easy to do, so don't miss a chance for your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sports book of the NBA. Gophers fans, there is a perfect scheduling for the Big Ten moving forward with the additions of USC and UCLA, and that perfect system is the 366 system. Now, what is it? Essentially, it's saying you have three games that are locked in each and every year as your main rivals, the games that you will play every single season. And then on top of that, During the course of time, you'll have six home games and six away games against the other conference opponents over a student's four years. So basically what it's saying in a single year, there will be three rivals. And then on top of that, you would have three home games and three away games versus other conference opponents. And those other conference opponents would rotate each season so that way you're playing every other school in the conference outside of your main three two times within a student's four years of playing at a university which means they would get a home game in one of those two times and an away game on it one of those two times therefore you're covering getting to every single one of those campuses like we said you're covering playing every single opponent like we said and it is probably the most fair when it comes to you're seeing the scheduling, it's not advantageous for anybody. We're not hearing too much about, oh, well, there's an easy schedule for the Gophers every single year, or there's a hard schedule for Nebraska every single year. Like, no, it's a way to put more parity within the conference. Now, there has been some talk about, well, within those three rivalries, you could do one static rivalry that you always play for the end of time, and two rivalries that rotate every four years. Now, I'm not a huge fan of that thought process. I think you stick with the three rivals because if you do the two rotating you could end up rotating out one of those very important rivalries that has been developed over decades and decades that players fans and coaches alike want to be in each and every year so keeping those together is more important to me three hard set static rivalries is probably the best way to go and then the rotation of the other conference games But fret not, that also still means you're having non-conference games. Now, how it would work out is each year on the schedule, there would be three non-conference, like we see now, three rivalries locked in, your conference rivals, each and every year. That's your six games there. And then you have six other conference opponents in which, again, rotate every year. Those six shake up a little bit each and every year. So that way a student is playing, a student athlete is playing against every other conference opponent at least two times in their career, once on the road and once at home. It's smooth, it's simple, and really you get the best of every single world. Every player gets to play and experience every stadium. Rivalries are kept intact. There's no real advantage based on weaker programs. There's non-cons that continue. There's no weird four-way pod winner to determine decision-making because in the end, you can just take the top two schools, the top two records or what have you, and those become the players that or teams that play in the Big Ten championship. Now, the only downside slightly could be that Rivals of those rest West Coast schools, so the rivals of USC and UCLA, the three rivals, they might have to travel slightly more than some of these other schools. That's the only real negative downside I see to something like this. But 
what could it look like as far as who are the main rivals? That's probably the most fun of this part. Who are the rivals for each squad and how do you make it so that way it is flowing and seamless across the entire conference? That's what we're going to dive into. So let's go school by school. Let's talk about who those three main rivals could be that you're seeing each and every year. Now, for me, the easiest one to kick this off with is Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's three rivals would be Wisconsin, obviously, have to keep the longest standing rivalry intact. Iowa, another longstanding rivalry that is diehard, that bleeds hard. The fan bases hate each other, but they live for this matchup. And then the third one for Minnesota should be, in my opinion, Michigan. Another rivalry game, three rivalry trophies kept intact. Now, I know there's been a budding thing with Minnesota and Nebraska, but it doesn't have the tradition. It doesn't have the history. It doesn't have the impact of a Michigan on top of then you're keeping a top tier level program on the schedule for Minnesota every year. So there is that parody as well. Then moving over to Wisconsin. Now you've already heard two of the, or basically, yeah, two of them within this, but Wisconsin's would be Minnesota. We've just talked about that. Iowa, which again, a longstanding rivalry that has so much history, so much passion, so much energy behind it that you just can't split it up but then I've put a developing rivalry for their third one in Illinois now it might start off with something like because Greg Biel or Bielema the coach came from Wisconsin it feels like there's been a budding rivalry developing there so that could be the new third one now I know they've had something with Nebraska I know there's been little here spats here and there with other squads in the Big Ten and they'll still have the ability to have those as they move forward but I think for the parody's sake for having every school have a three main rivals the one that works out the cleanest in my opinion is Wisconsin taking on Illinois and hopefully that rivalry can bud even further than the coaching shift that we saw from a old Wisconsin coach taking over the helm at Illinois and kind of stamping his legacy stamping his mark going back to Camp Randall and taking a dub well now you can inflame those fires and make that rivalry grow even more with this type of schedule the next squad we'll talk about here is Iowa. Now, we've talked about two of Iowa's rivals already with Minnesota in the trophy game. Of course, Minnesota needs to get that trophy back, but it's one you can't break up. Iowa and Wisconsin, we've got that staying as well. And then the final rivalry game for Iowa is Nebraska. Now, of the Nebraska rivalries between Minnesota, between Wisconsin, between Iowa, I definitely think that Iowa one hits the deepest. And so you have to keep something like that intact. So that was one that we had to do. Iowa staying with those kind of Midwest groupings for their three rivals. But again, you would get all of the other conference opponents throughout the rest of the scheduling. The next school to talk about is Nebraska. Now, Nebraska's is very interesting to me because when you think about Nebraska, Nebraska is a team that even though they've been struggling, even though they haven't had the success that they've had in previous decades, they are a storied program. They have a massive fan base, a huge following that goes everywhere they go. It travels well. And you know what? Respect to that. They're going to have major games on the TV schedule because they are Nebraska. So it leads itself to some of these interesting rivalries I've thrown in, especially because it is the furthest west of all of the other schools in the Big Ten. 
So I've got both the California schools coming against a Nebraska in UCLA, in USC, and then in Iowa, which we just revisited as probably their staple of their current rivalries within the Big Ten. So the UCLA and USC, not only are they the furthest west, so they're the closest in proximity, but those are all major brands. They're all games that the TV networks are going to want to have all the time. And so it, it helps thrive and helps grow that Nebraska market as far as the demand that's coming from it because it has such a big fan base. But on top of that, it helps give these TV stations and the Big Ten deal more of what they will be looking for in specific because of the major program that it is and getting them in some of those LA markets. So Nebraska's three would be UCLA, Iowa, and USC. Now looking at the California schools, we'll start out with USC and USC, we just talked about Nebraska would be one of theirs. Now, of course, the other school, which they already have a diehard rivalry with in UCLA would be on there, the interstate California battles, the pairing that had to come together to the Big Ten, you got to keep them together moving forward. So absolutely, UCLA and USC would be staying together, hands down, bar none, number one option. You throw in Nebraska for the reasons we just talked about. And then the third and final one, I think would be started due to the TV markets, due to the high caliber, due to trying to start a new budding rivalry, you throw in an Ohio State. Now, everybody would be tuned in for an Ohio State versus a Link or versus a USC. You're talking Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day. You're talking big time programs that are fighting for playoffs every single year, and you get a diehard matchup. It helps them boost their playoff resume each and every year, but it also could hurt one of them. But We've seen this before. Ohio State and Michigan played every year. And this past year, they both made the playoffs, even though one of them ended up losing a game because they played head to head. But people want to see a matchup like this. And also, it can really put the stamp on who is the best of the best in the country, setting yourself up for a rivalry like that each and every season. So USC's three would be UCLA, Nebraska, and Ohio State for me. Looking at the other California school, we've got UCLA, we've got USC, which we just talked about, we've got Nebraska, which we've talked about already, so you have those easy ones, but then I threw in something more, more friendly, but I threw in a Northwestern. Now, what makes you think Northwestern would be a good rivalry with UCLA, Kane? Well, like we talked about, the airports thing could be huge as far as travel goes, as far as building that Chicago market to the LA market and helping Northwestern on that front because Northwestern hasn't been a power player, a big program that is getting a ton of TV love outside of a handful of seasons, maybe a couple, maybe three seasons. But this helps them develop their brand even more as they're going to build a new stadium for basketball, I believe. And as they're continuing to grow as a program, as a facility in general, I think this will give new life to the program. This will give an interesting budding rivalry, and it could be a fun one, as well as, again, we're trying to create parity across the schedule. So you see a difficult matchup in USC. You see possibly a mid-tier matchup with Nebraska that could grow into a bigger one, depending how the program of Nebraska grows, and then maybe not not an easier, but a more friendly matchup in Northwestern where you don't know what you're going to get from year to year. 
The next program we have to talk about is Illinois. In Illinois, we've talked about one of theirs in Wisconsin with that heated, flaming, budding rivalry with Wisconsin and the history of their coaches. But also you've got the interstate with Northwestern. you got to keep that intact. So two Illinois schools that'll be duking it out. And then the third one that I have going is Michigan State versus Illinois. I feel like those matchups have been good as of late. They've been budding as of late. And even adding the rivalry when it comes to other sports than a Michigan State basketball program versus an Illinois basketball program could be beautiful on the basketball court for years to come. So it just helps build the rivalry of these teams even further beyond football, and I think that would be a good one, as well as keeping that parity across the league. Moving on to the other Illinois school, we got Northwestern. We've talked about a couple of theirs. We've talked about Illinois and the interstate. We've talked about the new one with UCLA, the ease of trans or uh, the ease of travel between those schools from LA to Chicago. And then I've got Northwestern taking on Purdue. You're keeping on the ties of that Big Ten West and how they saw each other from years to come and also keeping parity across. So there's a little bit more free-flowing and question marks between some of those matchups moving forward. Moving on to IU, Indiana, you got to keep the interstate. You got to keep the old oaken bucket with IU versus Purdue. So we got that on lock. Then you got IU versus Michigan State, which again has been a budding one. Two Eastern teams that have really been having some good matchups. I think back to last year's matchup where it went down to overtime and, you know, there was the possibility of a bowl game on the line for Michigan State but IU didn't back down they needed to revitalize they needed to thrive that fan base and they stuck in there and it was a great rivalry again flip to the basketball side of things Michigan State Indiana having that budding rivalry that further deep-seated core hatred fight desire to beat the other school could only help push into the basketball market as well so I think IU has those three of Purdue which it already has plus a Michigan State. And then the third one I've got for IU is Rutgers. Again, keeping kind of that Eastern uh, division budding relationship together, um, something that works out smoothly and, again, keeps the parity because when you're playing maybe a more difficult Michigan State, a Purdue who can be up and down depending on the year, could be difficult some years, could be not. And then Rutgers, who has some thriving years, has some not. It keeps the parity across their schedule, so it's not always a dogfight every year, every season for decades, but it's something that is ebbs and flows and continues to build. Now, Purdue, we've talked about two of theirs. We've talked about IU, which is the interstate, got to keep it together. We've talked about Northwestern uh, coming from a little bit of the Western division buildup, but also just what makes sense and continuing to keep the flow across what has to be. It's not like we can put everybody against Michigan, everybody against Ohio State. So these are making the most sense to me regionally, about what's happened in the past, all of that put together. So you've got Northwestern, you've got IU, which we've already talked about. The third school that I have is Maryland. Now, Maryland and Purdue over the last two seasons especially have put together some fire matchups, some matchups that have gone down to the wire that have been nationally televised games, at least last year it was. So I think that can continue to grow and develop and they're further on the actual East Coast regionally. So I think it will help the proximity of it as well to fan those flames again for a rivalry. Moving on to Ohio State. Now, this one is by far the hardest one to do. It is the 
hardest to create parity, but they've kind of put themselves in that bucket being the best team in the Big Ten for years and years and years and years. And you know what? Quite frankly, I'm sick of it. So it's like, prove it. Go through the gauntlet. This is the only squad that the rivalries, it's absolutely not very fair when it comes to parity. So for Ohio State, I had to keep the Michigan rivalry going. It's a need. It's a desire. It cannot be split. So you keep Michigan in there three. Outside of Michigan, I've got Penn State there because that has been a budding thing over that in that Eastern division and top tier programs that can push each other to the limits. I think it's good for the game of college football. And again, these are schools that the nationally televised uh, networks are going to want to have. So giving them it each and every season is something to fan the flames of and really grow and let it happen. Give the fans what they want. Give the networks what they want and let it be a proving ground. And the third one we've already talked about is USC. Again, a similar reason of creating that power brand, creating that television network draw. And so Ohio State here really has the toughest of the tough, the gauntlet of all gauntlets in the Big Ten. And you know what? You've been thriving for decades now. You've been the cream of the crop. You've been getting the best recruiting. So go out there and prove it. Prove your best recruiting is the best in the conference. Prove that your development is levels above everybody else and go through the hardest challenge each and every season. That's what I've got. And I have no, I'm not pulling any punches. I don't feel bad about it. Go out there and prove it. Now, Michigan State is the next school. You got to keep the interstate alive with Michigan. But then we've already talked about IU and how that's been developing. We talked about Illinois as well. So we've got those three locked in. We've seen um, some good matchups, some good rivalries between these three. And I think overall that can continue to bud for those other ones like IU, like in Illinois. But you have the one that is a must that the hate runs deep. We've seen it through fights. We've seen it through some craziness in the tunnels. Michigan State versus Michigan stays intact. Next school is Michigan, that interstate matchup. Now, we've talked about two of these. All, we've talked about all three already, actually. So you've got the interstate with Michigan. You've got the one of the best rivalries in college football in Ohio State. And then you've got another longstanding rivalry with Minnesota and the Jug. So Michigan gets to keep all of its main rivalries intact. On top of Minnesota keeps all of its main rivalries intact. Wisconsin has most of its Iowa has all of it. You're seeing that we're keeping all of these main ones intact. It's something fun. There's parity across both of them, most of them, except for Ohio State. Again, we don't feel bad there. So it's a good one. Now, three teams left. Merrigan, Merrigan. I put Maryland and Michigan together, and you get Merrigan, but that's not a squad. So we're going with Maryland. You got Rutgers. You got Purdue. You got Penn State. Two squads that are on that closer regionally East Coast laying. One is kind of intra or not interstate, but the Penn State and Rutgers, both in Pennsylvania, which is right there next to uh, Mar or Baltimore, which is closer to Maryland. So easy for fans to tra travel to. That's another reason you want to keep some of these new budding rivalries going is the fans can travel there easier and really help build it up and make it bigger because the fan bases have more passion in the rivalries themselves. So this will allow new ones like a Maryland and Rutgers, like a Maryland and Penn state, which might've had times where it could feel like a rivalry. Well, it allows them to build that up even further. Now Rutgers, we just talked about with Maryland. We also talked about them with IU and the proximity and the Eastern division buildup. 
But the last one there is Penn State. Interstate, again, in Pennsylvania, helps build it up. So then that wraps the whole thing up because the last school we talk about is Penn State, who we've already listed their three. You get a Rutgers, you get Ohio State, and you get a Maryland. Ohio State being a tougher opponent every year, the stamp, put your stamp on if this is the big year for you or not. Maryland can be up and down. Rutgers is still trying to find some more success, but it has some parity to it across the entire thing. So that's what we've got. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what pods don't make sense. And when I say pods, I mean 366 rivals. Let me know which rivals don't make sense. Let me know your thoughts on if this works, if I'm crazy, if there's anything that I messed up, which teams you would swap down in the comments below on YouTube. But I had to dive into the scheduling thoughts because it's coming whether we like it or not. Pods, divisions, 366. Now, there's one clear winner for me here, but I want to know what you think. So I'm waiting to hear and we'll learn more down in the comments below on YouTube. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and drop a like so others can find the video. This is Kane Rob signing off. I'll see you tomorrow. Row the boat. Sky Yuma. Go Bokers.